One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. All right, guys, so session number two, we're going to get deep, deeper into experiencing the voice of the Lord here tonight. Um, just a quick recap of last week. Peter had the revelation and said, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God, right? And Jesus turned to Peter and said, uh, Peter, Simon Bar-Jonah, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that term, Simon Bar-Jonah, Bar-Jonah means son of the dove, right? That's a pretty cool revelation, the son of the dove. So Jesus was actually prophesying to Peter that you don't have the dove yet, but I'm calling you a son of the Holy Spirit, and you will walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. I've taken you to this very place, the darkest place on earth, where they worship the Greek god Pan, where they do the child sacrifice, where they do all this hideous stuff to the children, and I am going to anoint you in the power of the Holy Ghost. And you are going to walk on this earth in the same anointing that I walk in. As I am, a, Jesus was saying, I am a son of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, Peter, I call you a son of the Holy Spirit. You are going to walk in the anointing of power. No longer are you going to be a subject of being limited on the earth and subject to the spirits that rule the, the earth, right? It's, it talks about the principalities and the powers and rulers of darkness. No longer are you subject to them. You will be a son of the dove, and we will turn the tables. We will actually shift things in your favor, and no longer are you going to be a limited form of a, of a man. You are going to have the full anointing of heaven, the whole kingdom at your access. There is nothing I'm going to hold back from you. I'm giving you all things. And in that equipping, everything changes, right? Peter actually ran and denied Christ on the night of the crucifixion. And suddenly, when on the day of Pentecost, everything changed in his life. The Holy Spirit comes upon him, and he stands up and preaches. He, he interprets um, the, 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 the scriptures, the prophetic scriptures. And then he goes into the world and does supernatural things, right? And that's, that's a picture of a person prior to the Holy Spirit, and then a picture of a person after the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, the only thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, after the, after the crucifixion, it says he walked on the earth for 40 days. And before he ascended, he says, stay here in this city, Luke 24, stay here in this city. I'm going to send upon you the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. And when that happened, everything changed. He only sent one thing. He sent the Holy Spirit to reveal the scriptures, but also to reveal your life, right? We talked last week about there's a book written of you in heaven. You were born into this world, and this world has tried to form you and limit you and keep you down and, sub, sub, uh, you know, just make you a subject. 
And the Lord says, no, I have a book written of you, and I'm going to begin to unveil it. And that's, that's the essence of hearing the voice of the Lord, that you, as you hear him, he, he said he would write on your heart, right? He'd wash a, what has formed you in being limited and without purpose, and he speaks to you, and suddenly your whole life changes, and you begin to walk down this path that is supernatural. That's a relationship with the Lord. That's a picture that the, the Lord has a plan for every person's life. Amen? Turn to the person beside you and tell them again. I know we went through this last week, but tell them the Lord has a purpose for your life. Amen? And we got into the scripture in Isaiah 28. Um, Paul references Isaiah 28 uh, when he's explaining the gifts of the Holy Spirit and particularly the gifts of tongues. Tongues is one of the most unrealized um, powers of the equipping of the Holy Spirit. People don't know what it means. People don't know its purpose. People have heard all kind of crazy bad teaching about it, and so they shy away from it, right? But the Lord, um, in 1 uh, in, in, uh, Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, the Lord references a particular scripture in Isaiah 28. He says, how will I teach my people? And he says, is it line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept? And the Lord answers. He says, no, I will teach my people with a stammering lip and another tongue. I mean, that's a crazy thing, right? How many of you grew up in church and you were taught to simply read the Bible and try to figure it out? You're not reading your Bible enough. You're not reading your Bible enough. So many people walk away from church because they don't understand the scripture. They get down on themselves and they don't grasp hold of the simplicity that the Lord sent you the Holy Spirit. And when he's going to show you something in the Bible, he'll show it to you. When he's going to lead you through life and do something supernatural in your life, he's going to speak to you about your situation, the next step that's going to happen, right? Church doesn't have to be complicated. Your relationship in church is, is really... Church is actually meant for believers to come together, and the church comes with people hearing for each other, talking to each other about what the Lord has said to them, and together you rally around a cause, and you have one group going into this part of the city. You have another group going into that part of the city. You have another group called to another nation. That's a completely different picture of church. So how many of, how many of you have accepted a model that isn't the purpose that the essence of the purpose of the Lord. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right? And it's all the foundational element of that is your prayer life. And that's the equipping of the gift of tongues. He, he equips you to simply go into your prayer closet and, and, and draw his presence toward you. We said that scripture in Isaiah 28, uh, verse 9 to 11 the picture of that scripture is a, is a it, it actually, in the, the Hebrew picture of that is that when you start to pray in the spirit, right, the Lord actually turns and looks at you, and it, he says it's equivalent to when a baby cries and, a, and the milk of a mother begins to flow. When a baby cries, all of, all of you women who have been pregnant, could you actually stop the flow of the milk? Could you actually sit there and go, I'm not going to let that kid eat. No. The baby cried and the milk flowed. And that's how simple, that's the equipping essence of the gift of tongues, that as you pray in the Spirit, He is going to speak to you. 
He is going to speak to you. And I can tell you stories all day long about encounters and just thirsting after the Lord, but I encourage you, um, fast and pray. Jesus said, fast and pray, fast and pray, fast and pray. Everything in your life flows out of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so just a quick story before we jump into the, to, uh, really what I want to get in here to tonight. But um, how many of you have been following Sean Foyt and the cities that he's going to? That's pr- pretty cool, um, those worship events that he's having in the city. Um, he went to Portland, uh, I think it was early August. And uh, my middle daughter is in uh, ministry school out in uh, Northern California in Redding. She calls me a couple weeks before and she says, Dad, we want to go to Portland. Will you come? I'm like, well, for you, all you have to do is drive six hours north. I have to get on an airplane on purpose and spend a whole weekend. And so I prayed, and um, I just I felt the Lord, you know, that, that I was going to do it. And so I fly to Portland, get to Portland. Um, my, my middle daughter and my son-in-law, who's married to my oldest daughter, they drive up together, but they're not driving up till Saturday morning. So I have a few hours to myself on Saturday morning. So I start, you know, I'm, I'm in prayer, praying, praying in the spirit, just like you guys being activated in the spirit. And of all things, the Lord shows me this picture. He shows me a picture of three young men standing in front of another man. And they're all three holding an empty nest. And the Lord immediately starts to speak to me about a powerless witness. And I'm like, all right, where am I going? He wouldn't tell me where I was going, but I'm like, I'm pressing the Holy Spirit, pressing the Holy Spirit. I end up in downtown Portland um, in front of the, uh, the courthouse where all the rioting is. There's a, there's a, an, a big open squared park. Um, and I'm telling you what, I mean, all the windows are knocked out. It's boarded up. Um, there's tents, uh, there's, there's just crazy, crazy things that you would never think of a city, but block after block after block of business that is literally boarded up and closed down because of the riots that have been going on out there. And so I'm st- I'm fi- I find myself in the middle of that, and lo and behold, there's a Starbucks, and I'm thinking, all right, I'll just get a Starbucks. I walk over, I sit down, I'm sitting there drinking my coffee, and guess what happens? All of a sudden... I'm looking, and there's this, you could tell he was a rioter. He had a riot helmet on. He had, uh, you know, shin guards and some crazy stuff. Um, He's sitting on the other side of the park, and I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, man, I should go over there. And all of a sudden, three young kids, early 20s, young boys, show up, and they're, they're talking to this guy. And I'm like, those kids are witnessing to him. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this, right? This goes on for probably 20, 25 minutes, um, maybe a little longer. They get done. Nothing happens. Um, They start to walk away. I'm finished with my coffee. I start running across the park. I grab a hold of these guys. And I'm like, hey, what were you doing? What were you guys doing over there? What were you talking to him about? And they said, well, we're we're with this group. It's kind of like YWAM. Um, we're, we're like missionaries, and they send us places, and we just go witness Jesus. And I said, well, the Lord showed me in a vision that I was supposed to talk to you this morning about how you witness. And their eyes went like this. So I, show them the, I, t- I told them the vision, and I said, the Lord does not want you to walk with an empty nest. The Lord designed you to actually be equipped 
holding a, a nest that has a dove living in it to where you are so conscious of this dove that everywhere you go, this dove goes with you. And I said that if you would receive the dove, that dove will do the work that you couldn't do with that young man. And they're like, what do you, what's that mean? And so I start teaching them about the Holy Spirit. Next thing you know, right in the middle of the street, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They start praying in the Holy Ghost. I spent probably 30 minutes with them. One kid started seeing a vision, started coaching them on what it means, what the Lord is showing you in the vision. And I said, the next time you go witness down the street here, you pray in the Spirit. The Lord's going to show you a vision, and He's going to coach you on how to to, to literally intercede with the dove, and that dove will land on the person that you go witness to. That's pretty crazy. But you know what? That's the story of my life. Everywhere I go, the Lord sends me to equip people with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is no small thing. Does anybody here try to witness Jesus in a, in a, in a, in a powerless form and have no fruit in it? Can I suggest that you might want to ask Jesus to send the dove and then become so conscious of where you walk, how tender you walk, whether he's, he's calling you to walk fast, whether he's calling you to take baby steps and be conscious of where that dove is and where that dove is pointing and when you're going to release the dove and who it's going to land on. Amen. I told the story of how I ended up here in Toledo. I had a dream about a year and a half ago about Toledo. One thing leads to another, and here I am. And I believe that the nest I'm holding has a dove in it that's going to land on you. Amen? <laughs> you with me, guys? I talked so long that my computer here just locked up, and so give me a second. So this, this, the essence of how important the dove is is extremely important. You were not born, you were not born again to have a powerless witness. And there's, there's many aspects of how people witness, right? You can love people, and loving people in certain times and moments, is that's how you do it. You wrap your arms around them. But there's other times where the Lord equips you to hear him to actually speak into people's lives. How many people, like, Susan, how do you remember Suzanne last week, Right? The body, you guys started having visions of Suzanne, and suddenly the tears flowed. There was, an, a, there was a breaking. There was an equipping. Suzanne left here way different than she came in. Amen? Amen. So, you know, there's an element of the equipping of the Holy Spirit that's important for you to understand that is connected to the concept that Jesus is a God of war. And that's something that people don't grab hold of. They, they, they understand the love part, but they don't recognize that love is connected to pursuit, to, be, to burning so boldly for the, for the purpose of Christ that you become one with the heart of Jesus. You give your life to go. And that means whether you go down the street where he leads you down the street to speak to somebody or to, you go to another nation or you go to college or wherever he's sending you, you become one with, with this heart of Christ. And, you know, Exodus 15 says that he is the God, or I'm sorry, Exodus 15.3 says that he is the God of war. And Jesus had this, he had a declaration of war. He had this, this mission statement that had war all through 
what his intent and design was when he walked on the earth. And many of you know the scripture, Isaiah 61, verse, uh, starting with verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's a pretty cool mission statement. How many of you know that that's your mission statement? When the anointing comes upon you, you step into the heart of Christ, and that's your mission statement. You have a purpose that is so much bigger than many of you have accepted in terms of what your purpose, why you come to church, the whole relational dynamic. And I'm here to encourage you that this mission statement will change your life if you pursue him knowing that he has a plan for you. We talked last week that there's a book in heaven written of you. And it will redefine and unveil what you really are and what your purpose is, what your calling is. And that is only unveiled through this dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit where you hear his voice he rewrites your heart, right? And that's what the body does with each other. I got a word for you. I heard the Lord say this to you. And you, slow, you, you work together to discover what Christ really says you are. Amen? But there's this, there's, this, there's this aspect of this that you have to grab hold of because it is a key part of the heart of Jesus. He says, this is the day of vengeance of our God. And many people fear from this word or this understanding of vengeance. But Jesus said this. He said this in, in Isaiah 63. He says, my father's vengeance is in my heart. My father's vengeance is in my heart. Isaiah 59, uh, verse 17, it says, He put on righteousness as a breastplate, the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. Who's his enemies? Is it you? Is it the sinner? It's not the sinner. The blood of Jesus was shed and it says it was shed for all men, right? It wasn't just shed for the ones who come to the altar. It was shed for all men. So if you understand that the vengeance of God is designed to actually recognize that there's a darkness blinding the hearts of men, and unless you come with this powerful witness called the Holy Spirit to break people out of bondage, to break people out of chains, to break people out of dead religious routines and concepts, who's going to do it? Who is going to do it if you don't do it? You see, you have to ask yourself the question because vengeance has an aspect of the burning fire of the Holy Ghost that you would give your life to actually go to get people out of bondage, go, to go get people out of the brokenness, to go release people from the mindset of drug addiction and everything else. Jesus said, I will, pay, I will pay fury to his adversaries. You see, do you understand that the United States of America has a, do we have a court of law or a court of justice? Court of law. We do not have a court of justice. A court of law means that you actually have 
written regulations, written laws. And usually what happens is whoever gets the best attorney, the best manipulator, the best deceiver of what is written. How many of you know that you pay guys a whole lot of money to win, right? That is not how Jesus works. Jesus works in a court of justice. A court of justice does what's right. And if you look at people that are bound in sin and say, you know what? They may be bound in drug addiction. They may be bound and imprisoned in generational curses of anger and hate and all this stuff. If you function out of justice, you will go and do whatever you can to get them delivered. Knowing that the blood of Jesus has washed them, has delivered them, has set them. He has already paid for their, he's paid for everything, right? And so, do you function out of a court of law or do you function out of justice? Because justice gives their life in the heart of Christ, realizing that they're not in that darkness by their own fruition. They're absolutely deceived. It says that the ruler of this world blinds the heart of men. So if you are not hearing the Lord and going and executing justice in somebody's lives, who's going to do it? Who's going to help the person beside you? If you don't do it, who's going to do it? You see, a lot of people come to church and they sit down and they wait for the pastor to preach a good word and then they go and figure out where they're going to eat lunch. But that's not the way... That's not the way that Paul described the body. He said the body parts all work together to help each other, right? And so this concept of justice functioning in your heart is a great question that we all have to ask. Is justice, do I have the heart of Christ that is, has this heart of vengeance that would say, my father's vengeance is in my heart to go and fight that demonic principality, to go and fight that generational brokenness to help somebody get out of the prison that they're in. Amen? You see, vengeance is driven by a heart who is fighting for you, not against you. Christ is fighting for you. And if you know that Christ is fighting for you, you then step into the heart of Christ and you fight for the people around you. And the only way that you can truly fight you saw, you saw prophecy flow, right? Prophecy is actually an arrow. It is the light of Christ. It actually reaches into the darkness and causes that darkness to flee. That's the power of prophecy. And so, you know, this, this heart of Christ, um, in John 3, 8, it says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. You see, everywhere Jesus went, and like a third of the book of Mark is casting out devils. Jesus, very, in very few situations, preached to big groups of people. Most of what Jesus did was in small groups. He went to one. He talked and coached a whole bunch of you know, small groups. He went into people's houses. And everywhere he went, no matter where he went, this dove that he, he held onto in this nest landed on the people that he interacted with. So your calling is not about simply saying, oh, that's the preacher guy, that he's going to go speak in front of thousands of people or he's going to speak every day on Sunday. Your calling is about 
realizing that the call was about you stepping into the heart of Christ, knowing that his heart is, ven- is, is a heart of vengeance that is designed to reach into the darkness that, sh- that uh, shackles people, that handcuffs people, that blinds people. They need you. The people around you need you. This city needs you to prophesy. You know, this concept of the keys, you got to get this. This has to rest deep into your spirit that when Jesus was speaking to Peter, he says, you are the son of the dove, Peter. My church will conquer the darkness. The gates of hell will not prevail against me. And he says, whatever you bind on earth, I will give you the keys. Whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. I will give you the keys, right? What are the keys? The key is his living word. Not just what's written. I'm talking you in a relationship and you hear him. You have a, you have a vision. You have a, you have a prophetic utterance. You hear what the Lord is saying. He speaks to you about three kids in the middle of a park. Right? That's pretty crazy. But if you learn to subject yourself to the voice of the Spirit, knowing and expecting that the voice of the Spirit has something to say to you, would that change your perception of your prayer life? You see, your prayer life, a lot of people say, I don't know what to pray about. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But you know what? It's not about you. It's actually you thirsting after his presence, knowing that if he equipped you with this prayer language supernaturally, where it says in Isaiah 28 that he will teach you with a stammering lung or a stammer, stammering tongue, right? That just that picture of the flowing milk, he's going to speak to you. Turn to the person beside you and tell him, the Holy Ghost is going to speak to you. Now tell them like you mean it, man. Say, the Holy Ghost is going to speak to you. You see, we got to change our expectation. Because first he does it to you, then he does it through you. He does, he does a supernatural work to you. He speaks to you and you start shaking. You start weeping. You're undone in the Holy Ghost. Something is transformed. Something is changed deep in your soul that you could never change on your own. And then when he molds you and shifts your wrecked life, he equips you, he breaks this religious bondage mindset of having to do this and having to fit this image and all this stuff. And no, it's as simple as you hearing him. And your life becomes so simple because you know that your prayer life is the central theme to why he called you, that he wants a relationship with you. And then he, he, he learns you and you know him and everything changes in your life. And you suddenly get awakened to this purpose. You suddenly get awakened that there's people in darkness and blindness all around you that are in absolute need of somebody to hear the Lord for them because they couldn't hear it themselves. What would happen if every one of you were so confident that you know the Lord was speaking to you, that you would thirst for his presence that you would sit in his presence and wait for him to speak and you would go where he told you to go and speak what he told you to speak. What would happen to this city? What would happen if you just spoke to one person that you sat there and said, all right, Holy Ghost, what about Sharon? What about Billy Bob? Whew, Billy Bob starts crying in the middle of the office. Man, I got so many stories, chemical plants, uh, 
places I worked and just crazy things. I don't have time to get in them, but I encourage you to have an expectation that the Lord is going to speak to you. And when he speaks to you, everything changes in your life. Because he says this in Revelation 1.18. He says, this is, this is John in heaven saying these words. He says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and death. So not only does Jesus have the keys of life, he has the keys of death. And that one scripture, I'm not a fan of tattoos, but if you want to get something tattooed on you and you, you just you begin to write Revelation 1.18, it says Jesus has all keys. He has the keys of life. He has the keys of death. And if he told Peter that you are the son of the dove and I, whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven, I will give you that key. I will also give you the key that whatever you loose on earth, meaning that has, has already been loosed in heaven, meaning that if you hear from me, that is a key. And because I hold all keys, I know the bondage you're in. I know the darkness you're in. I know the, the demonic judgment you're under, the oppression you're under. And all you need to do is get the key from me because I hold all keys. My goodness. Are you hearing me? My goodness. My Lord and Savior is the king of this world. Not the ruler of this world, not the principality, not that generational curse that haunted you, that haunted your mother, that haunted your dad, that made you see your dad weep at night because of the oppression that was on him. That's a lie from the devil. And he's awaking his church to hear from him, to hear his voice, because he holds all keys. There's not one key he doesn't hold. Every key you need, he has. And if he speaks to you, it's because he knows the next door you need to open, that key that reaches in and unlocks that prison cell that you're currently in and causes you to step into the next place. Amen? Amen. Are you excited? Yes. My God holds all the keys. I serve the most awesome God there is. I serve Jesus Christ. Yes. You know, I go into crazy places in the middle of nowhere, India, in places, I've had malaria, I've had parasites five times, I've had some crazy things happen to me in bad places. But you know what? I keep going back. If I had a ticket standing in front of me right now and I had, I had a vacation week, I'd be there because I know I'm supposed to be there. Because he spoke to me. He gave me a key to India. And I'm telling you, there's, no, there's not a dark place. There's not a dark place in your house. There's not a place in, in, your, in, in your family. And it, there's, there's nothing that is too dark that Jesus can't light up with a key. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus I'm, after I'm after my keys. I want you to change my life. I'm going to search you in the night. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to prophesy what you say. And the darkness will flee. In Jesus' name. I want my key. I want my key. Want my key. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Woo. Come on, man. You see, there's this lie in the church that you're not called to judge. Judge not, lest you be judged. You know what? You know what that out of context has done to the church? It has, it has literally sewn your mouth shut. Did I tell you, sir, last week your mouth was sewn shut and the Lord is going to open it? You're going to prophesy, young man. 
You are going to prophesy supernaturally and you are going to change things around you because you're going to hear God and your family's going to change. You're going to change. There's going to be people in your work change. Everything around you is going to change because he has unlocked your mouth. You see, Jesus came to restore and equip his church to judge in righteousness. When you judge in righteousness, it's not because of you think this is the right thing or you think that's the wrong thing. It's because you heard him and you simply speak what he says. That's the equipping of judgment. Jesus says, I come to judge and make war. If you are in Christ, you have to have a heart of vengeance functioning in this justice that you are called to release this light on the earth. If you hear it, he's equipped you to speak it. If you hear it, light will reach into the darkness. What happened at the very beginning of the book? At the very beginning of the story, it says darkness covered the earth. And the light shone into the darkness. The darkness could not stop it. It couldn't comprehend it. It, couldn't, it didn't even have the power. It had no power. But so when the, when the light comes, when that key, when he gives you that key, that vision, that dream, and you begin to prophesy it, and your heart begins to change and be molded into this heart of Christ, you, that is judgment. That is righteous judgment. Jesus actually said this in John chapter 7, verse 24. Jude, do not judge according to appearance, meaning don't look at the natural world, but judge with righteous judgment. Turn to the person beside you and tell them you were born to judge in righteousness. You were born to bring the kingdom to earth. Hallelujah. You see, you don't know it or not. You don't, a lot of people don't realize this, but you are at war. You are at war. And many of you have learned to cope and just become comfortable being a victim. Oh, this, this oppression comes on me about three times a month. And I just, you know, I just go to the doctor and I, I get this... I just numb the pain or I just go out on Friday nights and I just drink enough to wear this, this thing that comes into my room and ca causes my bed to shake. Those are real stories, man. I've heard, I've heard so many of those stories. That's why I get so excited to speak into people's lives because I know that when the Lord gives me a vision that somebody's life is going to change. And the Lord, you have to know this, that when the Lord gives you a vision, it's because he's calling you to judge in righteousness. You see, when you judge in righteousness, the person who is bound in, in depression, and the Lord gives you a vision, like say, say he gives you a vision, there's a, there's a, there's a serpent wrapped around uh, this person, there's this heavy, heavy weight on their head, and the Lord gives you a vision, and he shows you the uncoiling of this serpent and the lifting of this weight off. And you go up to that person and you say, I hear the Lord say, this is the vision of the Lord, that this weight ha that has been haunting you, that's been following you, the Lord says he's lifting it off of you right now, that oppression that has covered you, that heavy thing, I break that off of you now in Jesus' name, and I'm releasing the kingdom on you. And they, they weep and they cry, right? They, they have actually experienced the kingdom. They may have never come to church in their life, but if you prophesy what the Lord is showing you to them, you just judged in righteousness. You just launched the kingdom. You just actually reached into heaven for them because they couldn't do it themselves. And you literally re release the kingdom on them. You actually say, hey, dove of God, 
This person over here is, is so broken. He is in such need. And in, the, in, the, in this merciful relationship that you have for them, the dove starts to speak to you and says, say this, and I'm going to land on them. Everything changes. Amen? He called you to judge, guys. He called you to judge. You see, the spirit world is so real. How many of you know the spirit world is more real than this world? Paul said that this world is temporary. All things in this world pass away. Your fleshly body, it passes away, but your soul and your spirit will remain forever somewhere. So this is a temporary place. The whole, the whole Bible is littered with the revelation that there's, there's, there's the kingdom of the Lord and there's the kingdom of darkness. And by you thinking that, you know what, if I ignore them, they're just going to leave me alone. Are you kidding me? You know how many, how many if you, if you give, ask a person three questions, you learn pretty quick how many people have their bed shaken at night? How many people weep because of oppression? How many people cry? How many people actually are sold into slavery? Are sold into the sex trade? Are sold at young ages into things? And they become bondage. They become property. They become addicted to drugs. They become hopeless. You think that's the kingdom of heaven? That's the darkness who has come to rule over the world and keep people oppressed, depressed, bound, limited. And the Lord awakens people like you. 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 He awakens people like you to hear Him who would say, I'll go. I will go wherever you send me. I will speak what you call me to speak because I know that you're with me. I carry the dove and what I speak the kingdom lands on that person. Amen? Amen? Yes. You see, when I first got filled with the Holy Ghost back in 2005, I, was, I got radically saved. I'm talking, I'm talking, I didn't sleep for like three days, the hair on my arm standing up. I heard Jesus speak to me, and I'm not going to get into that part of the story, but I heard his voice, man. Nothing could change me after I heard his voice. Totally wrecked me. I mean, I literally, that happened to me on a, on, a, on a Saturday night, and on Monday morning, I, was, I still hadn't slept, and I was running through the chemical plant saying, Jesus is alive. He's really alive. I'm, going in, I'm sitting in front of plant managers. I'm sitting in front of, of supervisors, and people are weeping because I'm testifying of what happened to me that he spoke to me. I was wrecked, man. And so I, don't, I can't explain this, but... My pastor at the time, he puts me in charge of the youth group. There was literally five youth. My wife and I, within a couple months, we go 20 people, then 30 kids, then 40 kids. I mean, it was crazy. And the next thing I know, I get, there was this, uh, there was this traveling uh, missionary, this evangelist guy, and he, he flowed in the supernatural, man. I'm talking everywhere he went. People, there was deliverance. There were healings. There were supernatural things. And he says, hey. I had a vision of you. You're coming with me to the Navajo Indian Reservation. So my wife and I packed up our six-year-old daughter. We travel with him to the Navajo Indian Reservation. I'll never forget this as long as I live. How many of you know that the Navajo, they practice a, a, a form of witchcraft. It's called peyote, right? And they, 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 
they become so immersed in the spirit world that you hear stories. You get these people um, one-on-one, and they are literally terrified they, for they, because there's many of them who will testify and say, I saw this guy shapeshift. I've seen these crazy supernatural things. And it, you know, I didn't know any of that. I was just this innocent guy who heard Jesus for the first time doing anything he wanted me to do. And so I end up, Shelly and I end up, we're, we're at, the, at the Navajo Indian Reservation in uh, New Mexico. And uh, first night, the very first night, this guy, the, the, the missionary guy, he stands up and he starts to preach. And he starts with this verse. Anybody here, Luke 10, 19? Behold, I give you authority to tread on the serpent and the scorpion and over all the supernatural power of the enemy, and nothing shall any by means harm you. You should write that one down. You should actually tattoo that one across your chest. Because that one, man, that one will wreck you if you just get absorbed in the reality that Christ has given you authority. He has given you authority over all things, all demonic powers. He has given you authority. But there's a fight. There is a fight. And sometimes the Lord lets you experience things to help transition you into what you're called to do. And so he gets up and he starts to preach and he starts to, he starts to talk about this particular scripture. And all of a sudden in the back row, I'm talking this 350-pound Apache, Apache Indian at the, Navajo, at the Navajo church. It's kind of funny. He's in the back and... I don't know if you ever have ever seen deliverance or have ever seen a demon cast out of a person, but it is a real thing. You can do it. If you're dealing with something, you can do it. We will help you. But here's the deal. I saw this guy. I'm sitting in the back because I'm, I'm, the, I'm the watcher in the back on a certain row. That was my assignment. All of a sudden, this big Apache he starts to shake. He's, I mean, this groan starts to come out of him. And this is something out of the movies, guys, but it's real. When, you know, the power of Jesus comes into a person who, who literally worships Satan, whoever, who literally worships demon gods, they do things. They drink blood candles. They, they go through demonic uh, practices. It's real, okay? And so when the kingdom clashes, you will see things that are supernatural, and this guy, I mean, he's, he's, he's literally, the kingdom of God is gripping this guy, okay? And all of a sudden, now this is, this is <laughs> just keep this in perspective. The church that we were at, at that particular night, there was a church of God pastor sitting in the row in front of him. And this Apache reached up, grabbed this guy around the neck, and started pulling him backwards over the pew, okay? And the, <laughs> the Church of God pastor starts to scream. And all of a sudden, Brian literally starts running down off the pulpit. And I start running across the back. And we literally tackled this guy. And we start saying, come out in the name of Jesus. Come out in the name of Jesus. And literally, the guy's arms, he let go of the pastor and he ends up on the floor, and he starts throwing up. He starts, this thing starts coming out of him, right? And after about 10 or 15 minutes, you know, Brian's got it. I'm just, I'm just a helper guy, at least I thought. So I back up. 
I'm sitting there. And so I told you the spirit world is real, right? And so suddenly I felt this hand choking my neck, but there was nobody in front of me. And I'm sitting there going, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And all I can tell you is this. There's different levels, right? Paul said this. He goes, we do not war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness. He's talking about hierarchies, right? And depending on how deep a person is in Satanism or whatever, you're going to be dealing with some supernatural things. And I'm telling you this as a real thing to testify of the power of vision, of the power of the Lord speaking to you, because I felt this, and I, I start saying in the name of Jesus, and I start fighting this thing, and I felt this choking on my neck, and I'm like, what in the world? I've seen demons come out, but I've never had to experience fighting something like this on my own. And I'm like, focus on that guy, man, you know, and I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm, I start praying, I start praying, and from that moment, I started feeling sick, and so I get, I get through the night. I'm helping, I'm helping Brian. He's praying for people. People are falling. I'm catching, but the whole night, like, I don't, I don't feel good. By about 1 a.m., we got home midnight-ish. About 1 a.m., I li- literally, I, I got so sick, I start throwing up. I'm, I'm, I'm in the bathroom. I throw up, and I'm, I'm fighting this thing. Come out come out, you know, I'm telling this, I'm commanding this spirit to go. Leave me now in Jesus' name. I know that scripture. That was my favorite scripture, Luke 10, 19. And I'm reminding that demon of the authority I have, and I'm fighting this thing. And this went on, me and this demon, till about 6 o'clock in the morning. And, And by this time, I had been throwing up for five hours, right? I I have lost fluids. I am sick. I'm white as a sheet. I got sweat pouring off of me. And I'm not giving up, but I start, I start, I scream. She was in, in, um, she had uh, some youth, some girls in another room. I had the boys. I know I'm, I'm, I'm screaming, Shelly, come help me. Call Brian. Call Brian. You guys are allowed to phone a friend. That's what the church is for. <laughs> I learned real quick that that's what the church is for. Call somebody who, is, who has experienced this, right? And so I call, you know, Shelly calls Brian. I, I, I have no idea he's been sick. You know, he's, he, she's, all she knows is I'm screaming for help, and she's never seen me like this. And she, she's telling Brian, you got to come. And so Brian and his wife, Karen, they come. And I'm, I'm still throwing up, and, you know, they bring me out in, into the middle of the compound, and I'm laying there, and all of a sudden, Karen starts to pray. I'll never forget this as long as I live. She starts to pray in the Holy Ghost. She o mama so, lea mama ma, leone, and all of a sudden, the Lord gives her a vision. She lays her hand on me, and she starts to speak the vision that she saw. And I, I kid you not, it was like, it was like cellophane was being peeled off of me. It started at my forehead, started down my face, and started coming off of me. And when it fully came off of me, it felt like I had slept for 12 hours. I was full of energy. I was, I was ready to fight, baby. But I knew in that moment how real the demonic world really is. When Jesus was dealing with the woman with the issue of blood, he says this. He says, oh, you foul spirit of infirmity, right? 
You see, there's a lot of sicknesses you deal with. He also said it to the, to the boy who was deaf and blind in Mark chapter 9 that was thrown himself in the fire. They said he had epilepsy. Jesus says, you, you deaf, mute spirit, come out. It's real, okay? And so I'll never forget that she got a vision from the Lord, and when she spoke it over me, this thing peeled off of me. And that's the difference between using a general biblical understanding. A lot of you have, have, have ministered, and you know that Luke 10, 19 says that you have power and authority to tread on the serpent. And if you say, come out in the name of Jesus, it's supposed to come out, but oftentimes they don't. But here's the deal. When you have a vision, when you seek the Holy Spirit, and he speaks directly about the situation that you are in, it changed my whole revelation of my dependence on the Spirit versus simply understanding Scripture. And so when I, that's why when I stand in front of people, I know what the Bible says, but I depend on what the Spirit is telling me because it's pointed and direct for the person that I'm ministering to. And that's, that's a picture of you stepping into your true calling in Christ, trusting the Holy Spirit beyond anything. No matter where you go, you have this dove with you who's going to speak to you about no matter what. what. What would have happened if I would have started asking the Holy Spirit at 10 o'clock the night before, and I didn't need Karen. Sometimes you need help, right? But I learned a lesson in how powerful vision is. Amen? The vision of the Lord is the most powerful thing on earth. He prophesied in Joel chapter 2, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. They will dream dreams and have visions. You will have visions. Tell your neighbor, you're going to have the vision of the Lord. Tell them again, you are going to have the vision of the Lord. And the demons are going to tremble around you. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, he didn't call you to be a victim. He called you to be a victor. He called you to dominate. He called you to win. No matter what situation you are in right now, sorry about that. No matter what situation you are in right now, he called you to, to, to a, a victory. He called you to a victory. He called you to a victory, man. He called you to win. He will give you the keys. He will give you all you need. He, will, he knows your heart. He knows everything you need. And if you become convinced that he has your answer and trying to sit there on your own and trying to figure it out by flipping pages, you know what I learned? That if I ask him enough questions, he will take me to a scripture. Boom! It's like, bam! Bam! I could have wasted three weeks looking for my answer. Thank goodness I know that you speak to me and you took me to something you wanted to explain to me. Amen? Bam, right? So you've got to go into your prayer room with an expectation that you're going to get a bam. <laughs> you see, when Paul was saying this, and this, this understanding is littered throughout Scripture if you can see it, 
The impartation of keys that Jesus promised in Matthew 16 to those who are sons of the dove is, is littered throughout Scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. You know that, that famous scripture, right? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. He goes on to talk about the equipping. Put on the armor of God, right? Put on peace. Put on faith. Put on the helmet of salvation. And there's a whole lot of crazy teaching about this. I've, I've, I've seen guys say, well, you have to literally get up and say, I'm putting on, I'm putting on, I'm putting on peace. Well, that's not entirely true. You don't, have, like, you don't have to go to the peace menu, and then you don't have to go to the faith menu, and then you don't have to go to the helmet menu. Can I tell you there's only one menu? Listen to this. There's only one menu, guys. One menu. If you go to verse 17, he says, take the helmet of salvation. He's talking about all the, all the equipping, the helmet of salvation, the, 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 the shield of faith, the belt of truth. And he says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God? The word word there is the word rhema. It's actually the now, it's, it means the now word, what the Lord is saying now. And you can read this and say, well, he's actually just saying the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. Which, okay, so the default is the sword is the Spirit, and everything else is something different. And I'm here to tell you that's the wrong way of looking at this. When he says the Word of God, he's actually saying that if you get a vision of the Lord, that is your peace. If you get the vision of the Lord, that is your helmet. If you get the vision of the Lord, that is your sword. If you get the vision of the Lord, if you hear his voice, that is the shield. So it's as simple as you hearing him. And when you hear him, he literally shrouds you. It says that he goes before you and makes a way. He is your rear guard. He puts the helmet on you. You get clad. And then your, your life becomes so simple because it's all about you running to your prayer closet. Running to the place where you're going to thirst after what he is saying to you because he is going to equip you that day. Amen? Say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit. I'm running to my prayer closet to hear your voice, knowing that you equip me with every piece of armor that I need for me, that I need for my friends, that I need for my family, that I need for those around me, especially those who can't hear you. Give me the heart of vengeance. Just like Jesus had the heart of vengeance. I want the heart of vengeance. I'm here to declare war on my enemy and the enemies of my friends and the enemies of the people that you send me to. All right, guys, now believe it or not, you just declared Isaiah 63 over yourself that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, to bring sight to the blind, to set the captive free, that you become a weapon. Turn to the person beside you and tell them, you are a weapon in the kingdom of God. <laughs> Prophesy it. You are a weapon in the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord, man. I'm not going to be a victim. 
I'm done being a victim. Listen, the enemy, you don't actually grow up in a spirit and suddenly the enemy stops bugging you. It's actually bigger battles. And when I was an early Christian, sometimes I would get so discouraged and, you know, I'd, I'd get mad and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? When I feel that thing, when I feel that thing knocking on me, when I feel that heavy thing trying to grab itself on me, that anxiety trying to grab on me, baby, guess what? I shut the refrigerator because I'm going to fast and then I'm going down in my prayer room and I'm going to war against this thing because I will not accept what this thing is doing to me. And oftentimes that thing that is coming upon you is actually the very thing that is trying to prevent you the evidence of you stepping into what you are. So if you're dealing with fear, guess what? You're going to deliver people out of fear. If you're dealing with generational curses, you are going to deliver people out of generational curses. If you are in poverty and drug addiction and you begin to fight that thing, you are going to deliver people out of drug addiction. Amen? Amen. Romans 10.17 says this, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word, word, there's again the word rhema. See, you can't create faith. You can't sit there and go, what are you doing, man? I'm making, I'm, I'm putting on, I'm, I'm getting the shield of faith. No, no, no. No, no. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by reading. Sometimes. The Lord can speak. The Lord reveals things through his scripture, right? But it's his voice pointing you to a certain thing, a certain scripture for a certain understanding for a certain moment or season. But he also speaks to you to fight the thing that is fighting against you. Amen? You see, Jewel 2.11 says this. It says, the Lord utters his voice to his army. You're an army. You are the army of the Lord. And you got to look at yourself so totally different other than just gathering together and coming together on Sunday morning. You are an army. And you know what an army does? An army trains together. An army even rallies together. An army has a purpose. An army is sent places. An, armor, an army heart, their, their heart actually beats together because there's something that they are in tune with. They hear a command. And that army goes. It says the Lord utters his voice to his army. Amen? I'll tell you one more story here before we close. I was in, in India, I think it was uh, 2016. And um, this particular city I was in, the story, I don't think I told you guys this story, but I had a dream in 2015. Jesus told me that a man from India would call me and I was to go. I woke up seven days later. I get this phone call from a guy in, Indi in India. Did I tell you that? Kakanada, India. And so anyway, as the story unfolds, as I keep going back to this city, I, I find out that the guy who called me, his dad was the first Christian missionary in Kakanada in the late 50s. And he's on, he's on a stage, he's on the stage with me in front of several thousand people. He's sitting in the back. And that, that afternoon, the Lord started talking to me about uh, this prophecy, about this awakening 
of, of what Kakanada is going to birth. And it's sequential from the standpoint that this guy who called me, his dad was the first missionary there, and now they had progressed to a point where they were being equipped, right? This, the, the, whole, the whole region had come together, and they were being equipped in the Holy Spirit. And I started, the Lord, I just, this prophecy came on me. And when I stood up, I started to prophesy about the blindness and the deafness coming off the church and then being awakened. And I've really done this. Usually when I get a word, I speak the word, you know, a minute or whatever, and I move on. I prophesied for probably 30 minutes. And suddenly I looked down beside me, and the 80-year-old the first missionary is on his knees. He's in front of the people and he's weeping. He's just, he's weeping in front of the people because he knows they're taking the next step. They're actually being equipped in something that is beyond their imagination. And that, that the equipping, the prophecy was about missionaries that Kakanada was going to send. Instead of receiving missionaries, they were going to send missionaries. And I started to prophesy about the blindness and the deafness coming off the church. And this goes on and on for like 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, I see these two young men and an older guy. And they have this young kid. He's, he's, he's like this. He's shaking. And they're, 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 they're literally dragging him up in front of, of, of the stage where I'm at. And he's sitting there. He's like... He's, he's, the kid is, they're holding him. And I jumped down off the stage and I laid my hand on this kid and boom, he goes flying backwards onto the ground. He lays there for like 30 seconds and all of a sudden he sits up and he starts to speak. And when he started to speak, his, the, the, guy, the older guy that was with them turned out to be his father. He falls to the ground and he starts to cry. And I got my interpreter. I'm saying, what's going on? What's going on? They're, they're, they're like, the people start to scream. The whole, the whole, there's several thousand people in front of me. They start to scream and shout and say the name Jesus. And the interpreter says, all right, here's the story. When that boy was 15, he was normal. He spoke just like you and me. And he went to bed one night. And when he woke up, he was mute and deaf, and he was violent. And his dad had to tie him to the bed every night for five years. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. The kid's standing there talking. And the father is weeping because his son that he cried for, prayed for, hoped for, and had to actually take care of knowing that something supernatural took this kid's voice took this kid's hearing, took this kid's peace. And suddenly now this kid is speaking and he's, he's got this big smile on his face. Guess what? I didn't preach that night. We took this kid up on stage and the dad started to tell the story. And of course, most of the people there are from the village. So they know the story. And the dad tells the story. And I start to prophesy about, about the deafness. Did I not prophesy about the deafness? And the Lord brought this kid out of the village as a sign, as a, as a sign that, that what I was prophesying he was going to do. And this kid started to speak in front of the people. They literally ran to the altar 
They literally, they didn't sit there. They, they literally ran to the altar and just started to praise and worship the Lord. We, we were there for hours praying for these people, receiving the Holy Spirit and prophesying over these people. It's just a crazy story. And I'm telling you that because it's the power of prophecy, guys. You see, the church was not meant to be a victim. The church is a powerful force. And Paul's heart when Paul was explaining the, the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and in between he talks about love. You see, this love actually is this burning fire that is connected with this one called Jesus Christ that burns so bright that vengeance comes out of you that these gifts of the Spirit, this dove, would actually begin to speak through you. And when this dove speaks through you, the church is transformed. The people around you are transformed. The city gets transformed because you are flowing in this heart of Christ, this burning heart that you cannot sit still. You've got to search out Christ. You've got to hear his voice and you've got to go execute what he's telling you to do. You see that picture, Paul is actually imploring that he's actually begging the church about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says this, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, pursue love with eagerness. Make it your goal, yet earnestly desire and cultivate spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to people, but to God. For no one understands him or catches his meaning, but by the Spirit he speaks mysteries. And he goes on to say in verse 5, Now I wish that you all spoke in unknown tongues, but even more that you prophesy. You were born to prophesy, guys. Prophecy is not an option. Prophecy is not like this bolt-on option. It's kind of like, oh yeah, I kind of believe in that, I don't. It's, it's kind of like going to a, to, to a car lot and saying, I'll take the Cadillac, but I want it trim, the trimmed-down version. I don't want to pay all that money. You know what? When Jesus takes you to a car lot, he gives you the best car on the lot every time. He equips you with the fullness of the Spirit. And the issue, if there is an issue, is not that Jesus hasn't given you something. It's that you, through theology or some limitation that you've bought into that, oh, I'm afraid of the Holy Spirit, all that tongues thing is crazy, I'm just not born to prophesy, that, those are lies from the devil. You know, there's a theology out there that talks about, in, they, they, they take 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the, the chapter of love in between the, the gifts, the description of the gifts, and they say, oh, oh, that's all passed away. You don't need that. That's a lie from the devil. Jesus called his church to equip his church to give you the keys to speak to you so that you could prophesy, so that you would have words of knowledge, so you could discern the, the, the evil that has hardened and, and broken the people around you so that you could actually speak life into them. What would happen if you believed with all your heart that you were born to prophesy? That you literally knew that if you have an empty nest now, you're not supposed to have an empty nest. That, you're, that your dove, when the dove comes to land in your nest that it is to equip you with the fullness of the Spirit that you can do all things in Christ supernaturally, that there are no limitations. What if you thought like that? 
What if that victim mentality was literally ripped out of the church and you knew with all your heart that you could go get what the Lord was saying and if you got what he was saying, everything around you would change. That he would begin leading you down this supernatural path of life. He would deliver you. He would heal you. He would flood your, your home with love and peace. He would do all this crazy stuff. What would it look like? What would you look like? What would you look like? What would your day look like? Would you set your alarm at 6.30? Would you set it at 6? Maybe 5? Some crazy people set it at 2.30. Right, Barb? You see, if you're thirsting after the Holy Ghost, you center your life around the Holy Ghost knowing that He holds all keys that the answer to your situation, your day, no matter what the issue or problem is, he's got the answer for it. And he's going to move things out of your way to ensure that you step into the glory that he has for you. Amen? Amen? You see, Jesus says he judges and makes war. And if you are in Christ, what's your role? To judge and make war. Not a victim, not somebody who accepts the limitations put on you, but you actually pursue in a supernatural way, thirsting after his presence. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. Say, I was born to prophesy. I was born to prophesy. Say it like you mean it. I was born to prophesy. You're a chicken, man. You're a chicken. You're not... You're nothing. You're nothing. How are you going to answer that? Come on. Many of you hear, you, many of you hear that in the nighttime. How are you going to answer that? Whoa. Whoa. You're always going to be depressed. Your mama was depressed. You're going to be depressed, man. Come on, baby. Go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. I was born to prophesy. You see, Jesus didn't bring you to an altar to have a couple tears and say, I believe. He called you to be a weapon. He called you to actually change the world, to actually shake the world, to have the enemy called darkness be afraid of where you go. What would your home look like? What would it look like if you function with that mentality, come on, turn to the person next to you and tell them you were born to prophesy. The world needs you to prophesy. Can I get a rate? Can I get get a show of hands? Who here says I am going to prophesy? Come on, guys. Come on. Say it with me. I was born to prophesy. I was born to prophesy. Now say it like you mean it. I was born to prophesy. Come on. I was born to prophesy. Come on, man. I was born to prophesy. I was born to prophesy. Amen. Come on, Amen. Come, on, come, on come on. I was born to prophesy. That's right. Say it. Say it. I was born to prophesy. I was born to prophesy. I was born to prophesy. See, there's demons trembling right now. Because somebody is being awakened to step into something that that thing was assigned to keep you from. Trembling, 
shaken in their boots because somebody has a revelation that the Lord is going to speak to you and that if you speak it out on earth, if you align your heart with his heart, all of heaven, all of the kingdom is released on you. There's demons shaking in their boots right now. You think I was ready to go to India in 2005? I had to learn to fight first. I had to learn to hate evil. Do you guys hate evil? Oh, every, Jesus is just about love and everything's good. Everything's just about being good. That's a lie from the devil. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9 says this. It says that Jesus loved righteousness. He hated what was evil. And it says that he was anointed with the spirit of gladness more than anyone. You know why? Because his heart wasn't mixed. He could judge with discernment. He could say that is of the kingdom of God and that is of the kingdom of evil. It's kind of like a person who says they're a Christian but says, I'm going to vote for the guy who supports abortion. Are you kidding me? Are you absolutely kidding me? You see, abortion is murder. And if you're blended or, or if you're merged and saying, well, we just we need a better economy. We just need to, you know, smooth over the whole abortion thing. Listen, if you burn with the heart of Christ, how can you accept abortion? How can you accept pedophilia? How can you accept slavery? How can you accept it? It says that Jesus loved righteousness. He hated what was evil. Hated it. Meaning that's where the vengeance comes in, guys. He actually in his heart burned to set the captive free, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring sight to the blind, to release those who are bound in prison. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus awake in my heart, in my heart that, I that I would see evil, that I would love what is good, and that I would hate what is evil. Anoint me. With the spirit of gladness. The spirit of gladness. Cause, me to see Cause me to see the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven. Versus, the of the versus the kingdom of the earth. Cause me, Jesus, to reach and release the kingdom of heaven on earth. Because I was born to prophesy. Come on, guys, help me out. I was born to prophesy. 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 That's right. Say, I was born to prophesy, man. I was born to prophesy. I was born to prophesy. You see, you need to write, you need to go home and write out your own declaration of war. I guarantee every one of you right now, it'll only take you three minutes to put down the top five things you fight. Write it down. That's right out of the Bible. Write down the vision. Write it down and say, I declare war on you. Right now, I draw a line and I will not accept that broken thing. I will not accept that heavy thing. I will not accept that limitation. I am declaring war. You see, you've grown up in it. You've accepted it. You just say, that's the way it is. That's the way it was. That's the way it's going to be. That's a lie from the devil. Never ever would I have gone to India if I wouldn't have won that fight and experienced that fight at the, at the Navajo Reservation. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus 
Send me a little demon. Send it to me and cause me to pick a fight with it. Cause me to recognize evil. Cause me to see your foot on my enemy's neck because I was born to prophesy. Come on, guys. I was born to prophesy. I was born to prophesy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.